the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I don't remember the last time I spoke to this remarkable woman, but uh, I remember her well. She's one of the leading climate scientists in the country. Judith Curry is the former chair of the School of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences at the Georgia Institute of Technology. That's a big deal, (laughs) I gotta say. And uh, she is now come out with a new book published by an academic press, but it's for all of us. It's actually in English, not in academies. And it is titled Climate Uncertainty and Risk, Rethinking Our Response. The book is up at DennisPrager.com. And I am delighted to welcome Professor Curry. Judith, welcome back to my show. It's been a while. Oh, well, thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, I, I, I hope uh, a lot of our people read your book. I want to read something from your book here and have you comment. There, there, this is a very big deal. You write, given the important role of skepticism in science, how did skepticism about climate change come to be an accusation? with some scientific researchers in academia being branded as deniers, heretics, misinformers, and anti-science. So that's uh, one question I want to deal with you, and we at PragerU directly experience this because virtually every attack on us, and there is an attack every other day somewhere in the country because schools are beginning to use our videos for kids, that exactly every one of those terms has been used. I don't know about heretic. Deniers, misinformers, and anti-science, even though we have scientists give uh, many of these uh, talks. Then you write in the next paragraph, virtually all academic climate scientists, that that's you, are within the so-called 97% consensus regarding the existence of a human impact on warming of the Earth's climate. So then you correctly infer, so what's the issue? So climate heresy seems to be associated at least as much with the sociological aspects of the public debate as with the actual content of climate science. Okay, let's unpack all of this. This is worthy of a lot of time. So let me understand. Let's do the 97% issue. I've done some reading on this for a while. The 97% issue is much more limited 
and not exactly itself scientifically based. What do you believe, if anything, about 97% of climate scientists? Okay, I mean, there, there's certain things that nobody disagrees about, um, that the temperatures on Earth have overall increased since about 1860, um, that burning fossil fuels puts carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and carbon dioxide has an infrared emission spectra. I mean, nobody disagrees with those basic things. What the debate is about is to what extent does human cause warming um, dominate over natural variability or is natural variability more important? We really have no good idea of how the climate of the 21st century is actually going to play out. And the whole issue as to whether warming is dangerous is an issue of values, and there's a great deal of disagreement about that. So, I mean, there, there's all sorts of things that we don't understand about climate science. It's a relatively young field. It's an exceedingly complex subject associated with deep uncertainties and ambiguities and values as to what all this means in terms of, you know, possible impact on society. So there's been an attempt to oversimplify this and put a, uh, you know, th this all started with a political rationale back in the 1990s to eliminate fossil fuels and for, you know, non-governmental control by the UN. And that this was put into play even with the 1992 treaty from the UN, which even the US signed to um, avoid dangerous anthropogenic climate change by eliminating fossil fuel emissions. So the policy card has been way out in front of the scientific horse from the very beginning on this. That's a great line, the policy card has been way ahead uh, of the, uh, what was it, the scientific uh, horse. Yeah. Okay, th this is so important. First of all, by any chance, I don't even expect you to, but do you know, I knew at one time, I have forgotten, how did they arrive at the 97% number? Okay, th this goes back to an article that was published by some social scientists and climate activists. And what they did is they had a bunch of assistants, you know, peruse the abstracts of scientific papers, and they would rank them as supporting the global warming hypothesis or not. Well, most of them don't mention it either way. I mean, in the supporting ones, they, they include engineering papers talking about how to make inexpensive cook stoves for India. And they included that as supporting you know, the, the climate science consensus, which makes absolutely no sense. So, it, so the paper itself was just a travesty. But President Obama tweeted this, okay, and this whole 97% thing went viral. And then it became, you know, the norm. Right. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm already lost. How did producing... Uh, what did you say? What type of stoves for India? Oh, oh, like you know, rather than you know, in countries that don't have grid electricity or whatever, right. they the, cook with stoves. They burn dung. They burn right. wood. The indoor air quality. So, is so how did that get translated into carbon dioxide is warming the planet? Um, in, in no rational way, but that just shows how irrational this whole exercise was. And people were counting these abstracts who had no idea what they were doing. Um, the, the, the authors on this paper had a clear agenda. They wanted to where stimulate was the pa- Forgive me, where was the paper published? I can't even remember where it was actually published. And how um, did Barack Obama get a hold of it? Because I, I, I never recall him speaking about the stoves and dung in India. Uh, no, he didn't talk about that. I know, I'm were, joking. You know. But, but he, <laughs> you, said, you said he tweeted uh, he's, he's, th- th- this thesis of 97%, who, how did he get a hold of this? Um, I actually have no idea, but this made this whole thing All right, go so viral. some environmentalist, that's what made it go viral? I never knew that. Oh, yeah. Oh, another achievement of the Obama administration. <laughs> you don't have to comment on that. I, 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 I do this for a living. But <laughs> it's really, it's depressing. So, so... Okay, so let me ask you. I know there's no scientific answer to this question, and and you could you could certainly uh, plead the Fifth Amendment here. But uh, if there were a secret, and and everyone believed no names would get out, a, a vote or a poll of one thousand climate scientists, whatever that means, what percentage would say as follows? The world is heating overwhelmingly because of human beings uh, uh, burning a f- a fossil fuel, and this will this poses an, a threat to the existence of biological life. What percentage of the thousand would say yes? Um, probably a lot. But you have to break down the population into three categories. First, we have the large number of people in Renaissance subfields, if you will. You know, the social sciences studying impacts of climate change, uh, ecosystems, chemists, whatever. Okay, and then you have at the other extreme, you have people with a deep physics-based understanding of how the climate system works. And... uh, you know, when you hear about skeptical scientists, they tend to be in that category. People with a deep physics-based understanding of how the climate system works, who understand something about complex systems, 
who understand the challenges in modeling um, highly complex systems, you know, with open boundaries and so forth and so on. So these are the people who tend to be, you know, the most vocal skeptics. Um, I'll throw out a few names, Richard Lindzen, John Christie, Steve Coonan. The, the most recent outspoken skeptic is John Clauser, the recent Nobel Physics Laureate, who's been very publicly outspoken in his criticism of the conventional wisdom and the IPCC on climate change. So you've got people who deeply understand this, who can actually be critical, critically evaluate the whole thing. And then on the other hand, you have this huge population of people who know how to recite talking points about the fundamentals and then in their own research, explore one tiny little avenue that assumes human cause climate warming rather than understands it or critically evaluates it. So the, the question you ask doesn't have a simple answer. And given the preponderance of people in that first category, the ecologists, the economists, and whatever, um, huge number. So if you just took a vote amongst PhD holding scientists who call themselves climate scientists, the overwhelming majority would say yes. I agree with that, but the people who really understand the physics-based part of what causes climate change tends to have a much larger percentage of skeptics. Your skepticism is with regard to, again, there were three propositions. Tell me how you feel about each. That it is overwhelming, the warming is overwhelmingly caused by human beings, and that the, uh, actually there were two propositions plus the first that the climate is warming. I assume you assume the climate is warming, correct? It is warming, yeah. Right. Okay, I'm going to get to that too, though. So, one, that it is overwhelmingly caused by humans, and uh, second, that it poses an existential threat to life. So I'm going to have your response when we come back, because uh, that those are the issues. People lump everybody with skepticism on any one of those points as a denier. Before we go back to the questions I was posing, has the book been peer-reviewed? Oh, heavens. <laughs> yeah, th through the process, again, my publisher, Anthem, has a very rigorous peer review system in place. Um, the, the extended proposal for the book was, I think, reviewed by about eight people. And then um, a very detailed review of the manuscript was undertaken by four people. And there was also a review by their editorial board. So this was a, you know, quite quite a substantial uh, peer review of the book. And this is why I selected that particular publisher. Um, you know, since I'm brandished as a, you know, a denier and a misinformer or whatever, having this book rigorously peer reviewed was very important to me. So I'm curious, was it somewhat of an act of courage on the part of the publisher to publish it? 
Um, the publisher, I think, specializes more in books on, I would say, humanities and social sciences. That's where their main reputation lies. And they were starting a new sustainability series. Um, and, you know, they contacted me early in COVID. And I said, perfect timing to write a book. And I did my investigation into the publisher. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with this. Let me see how it flies. And a lot of the reviewers of my proposal said she, you know, that she is a hugely controversial person you know, in the, the climate field, but her voice needs to be heard. Um, you know, so they acknowledged that I was a controversial person. Um, and, and so they, they went in, you know, with, with, with eyes wide open on this and, and they approved my book proposal. And I was of course delighted. And I think they're, you know, they, they provided me with, you know, very good editorial and marketing support, and I couldn't be happier with my choice of publisher. So if you had to predict which will happen sooner or more likely, Earth hit by a comet or the New York Times reviewing your book? <laughs> um, the, the reviews are slow in coming. I've had, let's see, Washington Times um, review the book. Um, you know, the, the re oh, I have a review forthcoming in the L.A. Times. Really? Um, oh, I can't wait to revised. see it. Okay, right. so, so that is one. Apparently, it's being revised. It, the original version was too long. So I'm getting, there's a version now published in Germany, and we're working on one in um, Romanian. So, I mean, the, the having this gain traction is slow, but I think it's, you know, a sufficiently novel perspective that, you, you know, this book isn't going to be a flash in the pan. I think it's going to be around for a while. And the most interesting thing is that there hasn't been any pushback, shall I say, from the alarmed people. You know, there, there's been, you know, when Bjorn Lomborg and Steve Coonan published their recent books, there were huge attacks and people submitting reviews all over the place, and they really went after them. Um, and that happened was... That, that didn't happen with me. Maybe the people who are doing that learned <laughs> from their mistakes. I mean, because Bjorn Lomborg's and Steve Coonan books have, have sold and are continuing to sell extremely well. I mean, maybe they shouldn't bring so much attention to these books they don't like. But there haven't been any, you know, major takedowns of my book, you know, in a serious blog or a publication or a substack or whatever. So that's interesting in itself. I mean, since I talk about uncertainty, I'm as apolitical as I can be. I look at both sides of all this. It's relatively hard. Um, and I have complex arguments. It's not easy to dismiss this book. So, I mean, we'll see what the future holds, but so far there have been no serious takedowns. So I, I gave you the, the different propositions, the, the three of them. The Earth is warming. Humans are the primary cause because of burning fossil fuel. 
and it's an existential threat. Let's go through all three. Number one, the earth is warming. You acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. But even there is, well, I'll put it as a question. Is even there areas of dispute? uh, Specifically, how much is it warming? Or is that generally agreed upon? Well, it's generally agreed upon. Um, the data is never good enough, um, especially the farther you go back in time. Um, even the more recent, you know, the last decade or so, I mean, there's even disagreement among the different global temperature analyses. But, y- you know, the fine details of all that probably aren't that significant, you know, the the, the overall increase in the general magnitude is agreed upon. So I'll get to what the cause is, which was number two. I'm going to go to number three then. So you you say there's general agreement on the amount of warming. So I guess the disagreement is, I, I assume but maybe I'm wrong here. How much of an of a threat to life does the agreed upon warming present? Well, this is really the weakest part of the argument. The danger is neither clear nor present. Um, you know, warm periods are generally referred to as climate optimums because you know civilizations have thrived. I mean, the baseline that they're Sorry. Oh, so sorry, that we measure the recent warming is sort of pre-industrial, like the mid-18th century. Well, this was in the Little Ice Age, which was the coldest period, you know, of the last millennium. I mean, why anybody thinks that was a Goldilocks climate, I don't know. Um, you know, during this warming period for the last 150 years, um, civilization has thrived, agricultural productivity has increased, Uh, global poverty is way down, Um, even the lives lost from extreme weather and climate events is down by two orders of magnitude. I mean, you know, so so far we're doing fine in this warming climate. Um, the, the, The reason people are afraid of this or, or the sort of propaganda around dangerous is that they're trying to tie every extreme weather event to warming. You know, hurricanes, droughts, you know, wildfires, floods, the whole works. But, I mean, this is just natural weather and climate variability. And in the U.S., the worst weather by far was in the 1930s. We had far and away the worst heat waves, um, the worst droughts, much worse wildfires in the early part of the 20th century. Even the worst U.S. landfalling hurricanes were in the 1930s. You know, so um, exactly what is the problem here was the warming. Um, maybe the slow creep of sea level rise and some melting of glaciers, which is happening at a slow pace. These are things that we can easily adapt to. So this whole issue of thinking that warming is dangerous depends on a flawed 
attribution of extreme weather events to global warming. Even the IPCC, I mean, other than heat waves, they don't find any justification for thinking that um, these extreme weather events are tied to the warming. So it raises an inevitable question. If you're right, I happen to think you're right, but I'm a layman. But if you're right, one is confronted with the question, why would so many scientists take the position that it is an existential threat to life? Um, You know, this existential threat stuff, you know, comes from overheated UN rhetoric that reflects overt political bias and uninformed certainty. The IPCC reports don't even talk about dangers. They talk about reasons for concern. All of this existential threat, code red, highway to hell, this is all political rhetoric and media amplification. I mean, there's just a whole um, media policymaker, scientist, feedback process that everybody sort of profits from the current narrative. And, you know, the people who are most afraid, you know, that are climate scientists are the impact people, not the people who understand um, the historical data or understand the causes of climate change. So the more you understand about the data and climate dynamics, the less you are concerned about the warming. Who is this man from NASA? Alan, do you remember the name? James Hansen. James Hansen. Jim Hansen, yeah. Yeah. Jim, of course. (laughs) Jim Hansen subscribes to the existential threat theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, He has a, a recent paper out that cynically seems to be timed to influence the COP28 um, event where he says that CO2, um, the climate sensitivity to CO2 is much larger than we previously thought. And the justification for what he's done is to use some paleoclimate data from very, very, very long ago, which the IPCC states is a period where we don't have sufficiently good evidence or observations or credible analyses. And so they don't include it in the assessment. Um, There are further problems with his statistical analysis and so forth and so on. On my blog, Climate Etc., judithcurry.com, there was a recent post from one of my colleagues who took apart Hansen's latest paper. Um, Well, that doesn't... (laughs) you know, stop all the media attention and the hype and the subjective feeling of the policy negotiators at the COP28. Oh, maybe this is worse than we thought. But, you know, it's poorly justified science. My final question, I wish I weren't the final, I have to do more with you. But if we did nothing, just nothing, we just continued to frack, which is, of course, different, obviously, or use natural gas or or whatever we use, what would happen, in your opinion? Well, the biggest risk right now is the transition to wind and solar, which is jeopardizing the reliability 
of our electric utilities and it's increasing the cost of electric power. To me, that is a far bigger risk. And because of this obsession with CO2 emissions. Um, yeah. All right. Let's leave the, it the at World that. Bank. Yeah. The, yes. We're going to do That's it. The biggest we're going to do it again. <laughs> Folks, the book is Climate Uncertainty and Risk. Thank you, Professor Curry. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.